Hello, and welcome to the OnTech Protective Intelligence Podcast. I'm Fred Burton, the Executive Director of the OnTech Center for Protective Intelligence. During my years as a counterterrorism agent with the U.S. State Department and time spent as a physical security expert in the private sector, I've seen it all and met many fascinating people along the way. This podcast series explores the riveting world of protective intelligence through conversations with leaders in the security field. I'm Fred Bergen, and now on to the podcast. Hi, I'm Fred Burton here today with Harding Bush. Harding is the Global Rescue Manager of Security Operations at Global Rescue. Harding is an expert in procedures for high-risk travel, cultural awareness, crisis preparedness, leadership, and operational planning. He spent more than 20 years as a U.S. Navy SEAL, during which he had responsibilities including platoon leading senior chief for SEAL Team 8 and command senior chief of the Navy's Survival, Evasion, Resistance, and Escape SEER course. After leaving the armed forces, Harding held international security leadership positions for the Jana Hunt Oil Company, working closely with senior executives on security conditions at three oil production facilities in Yemen. Harding has developed multiple training programs for ski mountaineering and cold weather survival. Harding, welcome to the Antic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Very good. Tell me a little bit about your company. Well, Global Rescue is a um, crisis management company that does medical and security evacuations and also uh, advisory services you know, all around the world for travelers, whether they be uh, consumer travels or our, our corporate clients. We have operations center in uh, Lebanon, New Hampshire, about two hours north of Boston, Massachusetts. And then in Asia, we have an operations center in Manila, Philippines. And through our operations centers, we you know, coordinate, collaborate, supervise all of the uh, worldwide uh, operations we have, whether they're evacuations, extractions, or you know, advisory services. Why New Hampshire for corporate headquarters? Yeah, good question. It's actually where the owner is from, and we were in Boston for a while. And you know, as we became you know a more established organization, we didn't necessarily need that Boston um, address, so we um, moved up here. We always had an operations center. Uh, up in this area, up in, in Lebanon, New Hampshire, the uh, you know, and our other operations were were down in Boston. But now we've consolidated everything up in Lebanon, New Hampshire, for probably pretty close to ten years now. Harding, I you have wonderful uh, marketing and a great website, and I love your statements such as travel boldly and design for the unexpected. And then, my goodness, you have great testimonials from. CNN, Outside Magazine, and National Geographic. You have an amazing brand that you've built there at Global Rescue. Thank you. What's the craziest rescue story that you could share with us? There's a lot of them. I mean, when when you'd have to sort of uh, define crazy. I mean, is it the most challenging, the most difficult, or the most, um, you know, sort of uh, surprising? You know, we do everything from, you know, folks that you know, lose passports and we assist them with um, scheduling appointments and, and, you know, being able to, you know, have the capability to get their passport and return, return home on time. Uh, actually, you know, I, I think one of the, the craziest was probably uh, just as COVID 
began and a lot of the countries were locking down and basically expelling or telling all of the uh, uh, foreigners and expatriates expatriates to uh, you know leave the country. We had a, uh, a client in uh, Nigeria in Lagos who you know was being threatened by civil unrest. We had to you know consult. We had to get our uh, security partners in the region and have him transported to a uh, safer location, as you know all of the uh, commercial air and even charter aviation was uh, uh, prevented from going into Nigeria. The only thing going in was repatriation flights. We had to get him to that location, get him you know security supervision for the time between you know that time and then when the you know repatriation flight was scheduled to uh, take in, and then we you know transported him about twenty miles away to the airport for that well actually the most challenging thing we've done uh recently was um and it's in you know relation to COVID 19 we had a uh one of our clients is an adventure traveler and this wasn't a rescue but it was sort of direct support for a very challenging trip uh this this person wanted to go in so he contacted us probably around um December of 19, January of 20. So a few months before uh, the, um, you know, COVID outbreak. And he wanted to go to what's called the Pole of Inaccessibility in Africa, which is in the Central African Republic. Pole of Inaccessibility is the point in each continent the furthest from any other, you know, uh, border, you know, water, uh, you know, the shoreline. So it's technically like the center. And this is in a very contested region. Obviously, we began planning with it to you know transport him there with our you know security folks and uh we had actually had a you know then covid hit uh so it went on the shelf for about a year and a half two years uh and then it came out you know last we started replanning uh late last summer and you know we had you know several countries to go through in order to get to the central african republic this person was in england uh we had to you know navigate all the uh covid restrictions that were constantly uh, changing the area uh the poly inaccessibility is near the border of uh democratic republic of uh of congo and uh and sudan and you know it's very uh as well as the covid issues is very you know politically challenged region we had to get you know special permitting to get aircraft in there we had to get you know the the helicopter provider came from uh uganda i'm sorry from kenya they had to transport you know uh go through Uganda, land in Uganda, spend the night there, then on to the location. And then our folks were coming into the capital city. We had arranged charter aviation. Everything had to, you know, logistically work and, you know, on perfect timelines. And then, you know, the charter aviation got to the location of the nearest town. And then the helicopter took them into the pole of accessibility. They had a ground patrol or a hike basically to the location. And all of this was still under a timeline. Because they had to get back to the capital, probably 800 kilometers away, you know, before before sundown. And then on each side, you know, they were, you know, there was COVID testing to leave each country and to enter each country. You know, so they had, you know, and they spent a day or two in in uh, UK, had to navigate that. Basically, you know, all the COVID requirements put probably, you know, an extra four days into the whole trip because you know you had to have a. Uh, a, a test to to leave England to enter uh, the the CAR and then to leave CAR. So there was a lot of um, and you know just logistic requirements that were you know very challenging. So that was probably one of the likely most challenging things we've done recently. 
Wow, what an ordeal. I spent many, many years with the State Department, Harding, so uh, I was always amazed at the amount of trouble that people can get themselves into overseas. No no shortage of that, just right. from the standpoint of chaos, um, which is from an interesting aspect. And, you know, we have a huge number of corporate security officials that follow our podcast and follow our blog site and all, Harding. What would you say is the biggest mistake corporate security departments make related to like evacuation coverage? You know, what is it that they don't think about when when things go to hell in a handbasket like we saw with the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine and other incidents like that? Well, you know, actually, I haven't seen, you know, many corporate security, uh, you know, personnel make the big mistakes. Like, you know, most of our folks that we had in Ukraine, we were advising them to leave, you know, early December. Uh, I think one of the largest mistakes, it's not really a mistake, it's just an oversight. Everybody thinks about Russian tanks going down to, you know, the main street in the Ukraine. They think about civil unrest in, in Beirut. They think about, you know, a coup d'etat in, uh, in, in Sudan. But, you know, but maybe they don't think about, you know, somebody getting sick, getting injured and having to go to, you know, the, the hospital and what it's going to cost to get an air ambulance to get that person home. Or they may not think about, you know, if they get, you know, caught up in a, in a transiting, you know, transiting the, the travel in, in a location that's not as exactly hospitable as the final location. So I think continue with that, those like basic oversights, because it's never one, in my experience, it's never one large catastrophic event that causes things to go to hell in a handbasket. It's always a series of smaller events that, you know, accumulate into you know, perhaps a catastrophe, you know, so you've got staff, you know, say you're, you know, let's just say Mexico, and they decide to, you know, go on a trip or, or go to a meeting. And, you know, not everybody is ready to leave at the time. So they're an hour behind. So they have to drive faster. And, and then they might end up getting a flat tire, and they didn't check the rental car, uh, you know, that had the, the spare tire, or they didn't talk with the driver to understand that, you know, what they would do in an incident like that. So now it's getting, you know, now you might be getting towards dark. And you, so they say, well, we made a better call and let somebody know what happened. Uh, and, and they realize that their cell phone doesn't have power because you know, they, they just didn't, you know, charge it that morning. So, you know, now it's getting dark. And now, you know, bad folks, you know, may come out. It could, you know, they're on a road, they're in a, you know, in, in a less than hospitable area. It's dark. Um, they're lost. They have no communications. So it's not just one event that I've seen. It's it's sort of oversight on, you know, several large, you know, several smaller events that result in that in that catastrophe. You know, so it was like not checking the vehicle safety, not communicating with the driver or the car service, uh, leaving late, not being clear on you know when people have to leave and the importance of it, uh, perhaps not doing check ins and then, you know, not having uh, the ability to communicate at any time. Yeah, those are great examples. I know we used to have a lot of people, even our own agents, uh, get hurt and sometimes uh, killed overseas in just basic car accidents, you know. And Yeah, I, I taught a course for the uh, Defense Department civilians going overseas, you know, and, and this was with the uh, Ministry of Defense Advisors Program and then the uh, Civilian Expeditionary Workforce Um you know, these folks think, oh, my goodness, I'm going to Iraq, I'm going to Afghanistan, I'm going to, you know, wherever. And it's, 
you know, you, you, the most dangerous thing they're going to do is get in a car overseas. Right. You know, I worked right. in Chad at the embassy for a while um, when I was in the military. And, uh, you know, the car accidents were everybody's big fear. Not getting wrapped up by the rebels or, or what have you. And also, uh, as you look around the world, as you as you and I both know, too, when it comes to the safety and just general maintenance on some of the uh, foreign flagged aircraft that you might be flying around on, right? can be very challenging. Right. We always advise, you know, that, you know, when you're flying, you know, commercial anywhere or, you know, charter that, you, you know, we always ensure that, you know, everything is in, you know, compliance with the, you know, International Civil Aviation Organization. Harding, there's a lot of myths or just misunderstanding about um, this kind of service. Um, so what's the bottom line that from a consumer perspective, do you think people need to know about the benefits of having a global rescue? Like, like I said, I've, I've used your services before, and it's quite frankly, it's psychologically comforting to know that I have somebody to call to help me. Yeah, that is, you know, I, I would say you hit it right on the head that I have somebody to call to help me. So we can't help you if you can't get in touch with us. You know, that's, that's you know, step one. Make sure you can always get in touch with us you know, both consumer and corporate sites. So that may mean having a satellite phone or a satellite messaging device or ensuring that, you know, the, the, the persons that you're traveling with, if you're going, you know, on a vacation, adventure, travel stuff, that they have a, uh, you know, a satellite phone and they know that if something happens to you, to contact us. Um, and then, you know, the other point of it is when you, when you talk about the miss is that, you know, we'll always be able to get you. You know, that's not always the case. Sometimes there's, you know, other uh, difficulties or that we'll be able to get you, you know, as soon as you you call us, there's going to be helicopters coming up over the horizon. You know, the more remote you are, the longer in all reality, the longer it's going to take us uh, to get to you. And I think one of the, the biggest um, considerations or things you have to take into, uh, you really have, like you said, that, you know, it's comforting, psychologically comforting to know you have this is having global rescue isn't going to keep you out of trouble. You know, you still have to have your situational awareness and you still need to be aware. You still need to do all your pre, pre you know, deployment or pre-trip planning. Um, and we can assist with that with our advisory services. But one of the things is you cannot take extra risk because you have global rescue or any of the other, you know, similar uh, services. You can't say, you know, you're climbing the mountain and you see that the weather's coming in. And you're like, oh, well, we could get stuck, but I've got global rescue and it's okay. They'll come get me. You know, <laughs> global rescue doesn't make you a, you know, a better mountain climber. It doesn't make you a better skier or fisherman or, you know, even a, uh, it doesn't make you a more, you know, aware business person in the Congo. But, you know, the service is there. You still have to be switched on. You still have to you know, it's not going to, it's, it's like a, you know, avalanche safety equipment. We always compare it to this. Isn't going to stop an avalanche. It might, you, you know, if you were to get caught in one, it, it might save your life, but you don't want to do that. You don't want to have to use global rescue. You want to, for, you know, an evacuation or extraction. I mean, it, it's always there, but, you know, don't say that I'm okay. I don't need to be concerned about anything because I have global rescue. You still need to be concerned. You still need to be aware. And that's why we like it when, you know, our customers, because we have a very robust Intel service, Intel department, 
and you know security is is very closely uh you know we sit right next to those guys and so do our our medical staff and when people call and say hey i'm going to india what should i be concerned with and then we'll get on the phone with them and we'll discuss it the specifics of their trip and then give them guidelines on on you know what to do that's both on the consumer level and then on the corporate level we go we can go a little bit deeper because usually they may have multiple people traveling so we'll, you know we can look at hotels we can look at routes we can look at transportation companies all to you know mitigate those vulnerabilities uh, that that they may have, you know, and and uh, we can't necessarily get rid of the threats, but we can get rid of the vulnerabilities that attract the threats, and you know, thereby making them safer. So you will actually uh, offer some advice as to that traveler as to perhaps places they should stay, as well as some of the local problems that that might be. On you know, there. absolutely. You know, we had a uh, we had uh, an NGO, non government organization, uh, in the academic world that was uh, doing a trip to Israel. You know, they sent us, you know, this is the hotel we want to look at. We looked at the hotel, you know, it was, you know, right on the beach. There was all sorts of other businesses in the hotel. It didn't have, you know, it wasn't in a compound. It didn't have dedicated parking. You know, we looked at that and we said, you know, that's not, that's not where you need to stay. You need to stay somewhere that has more, uh, you know, convention or, or more typical security infrastructure to, you know, make it a safer hotel, not just a, you know, a local tourist hotel. Harding, what percentage would you estimate would be your medical kind of response versus security related issues? Meaning is the, is the predominant nature of your business is helping people that, that run into, you know, snake bites or might have an appendicitis attack? And I would say 85%, uh, medical. You know, right now we've got a couple of folks that we're, we're dealing with, you know, that broken legs, skiing, um, you know, uh, altitude sickness, climbing, uh, you know, those sort of things are, you know, every day, um, you know, and, and the security are, we do more, we do a lot more advisory on the security side than we actually do extractions and evacuations. And that's a good thing. And I assume, uh, you have a very robust capability for events or ca catastrophes that may unfold here in the United States as well, right? Such as your Katrinas of the world or, or whatever. Yeah, we have responded to, you know, natural disasters. Um, it, 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 but, you know, hurricanes are something that's predicted. And so, you know, you shouldn't get caught in a, uh, in a hurricane. You know, if you do, that's good, you know, what we call a disqualifier. You know, you have got plenty of, of warning about that, but, you know, earthquakes for sure, um, forest fires, things like that. Yeah, we do have the capability and we have responded to numerous events like that. Harding, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to say about the state of the industry or global rescue in general? No, I don't think so. I think, you know, we covered medical security, you know, the intel. I just think that, you know, one of the biggest values of it is the it's the proactive side. It's helping travelers be more aware and, you know, and mitigate vulnerabilities and just make, make it safer as, you know, preparing their travel uh, and, and uh, you know, rather than just the evacuation side. Well, thank you so much, uh, Harding, for being on the Ontic Protective Intelligence Podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Appreciate it. This episode was brought to you by the Ontic Center for Protective Intelligence. 
Learn more at ontic.co slash center. Again, that's ontic.co slash center. It was produced by AJ McKeon. Our music is a track called Monte Verde Ride and was written by Brian Bristow and performed by Smokin' Novas. Check them out on Spotify. Please remember to rate and review our podcast on iTunes and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you have questions, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us at podcast at ontic.ai or visit ontic.co slash center for more information. I'm Fred Burton. Thanks for listening.